to taste and see that the Lord is good, to make Him your portion and Him your satisfaction, is to know the greatest joy you can ever have. This is All Things New with Pastor Barry E. Fields. It is the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin. That is the reason we are gathered here this morning. Jesus tells us in his word that he is the great I am, ego me. that before Abraham was, I am, that just as Moses was told by the Lord, I am who was and is and is to come. As Jesus describes to the churches listed in Revelation, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Two Sundays ago, we saw how Jesus was the light of the world. He who walks in him shall have the light of life. Last Sunday, we discovered that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He who follows after the way can know the way. He who wants to know truth can have the truth. He who wants life can have life. And now we see that Jesus is the bread of life. He who comes to him shall never hunger. He who believes on him shall never thirst. And what Jesus is consistently describing to us over and over again is that he can't simply be the hour in our week. He can't simply be the service on our schedule. He can't simply be the the portion of our budget. He can't simply be the mission service opportunity every once in a while. Either he is everything or he is nothing, but he is most definitely not neutral. Either you receive him as the source of your strength or you reject him and live on your own strength. We live in a world that very often wants to paint things in gray, but Jesus is pretty black and white. You can be for him, you can be against him, but you better not be half-hearted about him. And in John chapter 6, and beginning in verse 25, he begins to make that even more clear to us as he goes through the I am narratives. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, 
that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. During some of the darkest days of the French Revolution, as the palace was about to come down, and his heads were literally rolling in the street as a result of execution by guillotine, Marie Antoinette, the Queen of France, one who would have been on the cover of Vogue and Vanity Fair, who would have had a social media account greater than the Kardashians had she lived in this day, was said to be called upon by the people when the shortage of food became apparent. And historians debate whether or not this was actually said, but anyway, in any case, the story stuck. They said, they have no bread. And she famously and arrogantly responded, let them eat cake. I mean, obviously, if you have no bread, you don't have the material and the substance with which to make cake. It was revealing of how much of a disconnect there was between the palace and the everyday people. And I am convinced that in the kingdom of God, the vast majority of people who claim the name of Jesus are trying to make cake when they're not seated next to the source of bread. They're trying to live life in their own strength and in their own power, when the Bible says if you are successful at living in your own strength and in your own power, you are destined for hell. That to live life apart from the source of the strength of life, to measure not just whether or not you show up on Sunday morning, but how do you get through your day? And is that not more evident than how you and I Use food. It's really hard to avoid it. If you avoid it long enough, you'll get to meet Jesus one way or another. On one end, there's starvation in a world in which we live, more food being produced by fewer people than ever before, mass crops, mass farms, mass harvest, and yet many of the global population are starving. And if statistics have it right, one out of five, one out of six children in America, in America, go to bed hungry at night. And then on the other hand, much of the rest of the world is gluttonous. We don't undereat, we overeat. There's an obesity epidemic, and isn't it something for pastors and ministry leaders to talk about all the freedom that Jesus can give from the body? And yet often he can't give us that same freedom from our own appetites. I don't know about you, but the devil tends to come to me in the form of complex carbohydrates. When they put bread down at Texas Roadhouse and they say, do you want more? You can hear the serpent in the garden selling it out. Yes, shorten your life. Bread is the substance of life, and if you don't like it, you're either allergic to it or there's something wrong with you. One of the two. And yet Jesus will clearly define what it is. Give us this day our daily bread. The Bible has a lot to say about the appetite. Adam and Eve eating the wrong thing in the Garden of Eden. After the fall, there's famine and drought. But it's not just our appetite for food. It's also our cravings. It's the very desires of our heart, which not kept in check can utterly ruin us. What does it take for you to get through a day? 
Is it three cups of coffee? Is it the Coke Zero that's sitting out in the Ford Escape that I'm going to guzzle down between services? Is it a little bit more medication than everyone else? Is it some type of substance or pornographic addiction so that you can get your fix and so that you can numb your pain? This is what Jesus is talking about here. And after he has just fed 5,000 people, the people are hungry in a world that is largely made up of gatherers. When he says, give us this day our daily bread, he is talking to people who often don't know what they're going to eat at the end of the day. He is teaching them not to live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And after feeding the 5,000, which is a demonstration of faith in the provider, it's one of the signs, just as the children of Israel experienced in the wilderness when he fed them with manna day after day after day, they come back. And Jesus has to say to them earlier in this chapter, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. So many people today are stuffing their bodies while starving their souls. And if you live in a world of fortune cookie Christianity, no matter what you do, you are always going to be left unsatisfied. And Jesus is reminding us that before he ever addresses the physical, there is always a larger, more complex, more direct reason behind it. And that is to address the needs of the soul. That many of us today who have grown up eating milk, eating meat, drinking milk, eating meat, who have grown up physically have not grown up spiritually. That many of us today, rather than feasting on the Word, are feasting on everything else but the Word. That many of our churches, indeed many of our congregations, are suffering from spiritual malnourishment because Jesus is not the source of our strength. And that's why when they come to Him saying, Jesus, come to us for the stuff that we can get, for the things that we can have, He says, better not live by bread alone. He says, I am that bread. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes on me shall never thirst. That it isn't just rituals or routines, but desiring the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. That bread in and of itself is, is nourishment. And spiritual nourishment comes from Jesus. That when we participate in the Lord's Supper, we are enacting literally exactly what Jesus tells us spiritually. That unless you eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, you cannot see the kingdom of God. I'll tell you something that really makes me guilty. And it pops up every Sunday morning, I guess because it's the first day of the week. But the good folks at, at Apple have this adjusted monitoring service that they're putting on there now. You know, Big Brother watches everything, by the way, now. They know more about you than you'd ever want them to know. But every Sunday morning, I don't know if this happens to you on this day or what, almost right before I get up to preach, I don't know if it comes on at 9 or what the time is, but it shows up saying, average screen time for the week. How much time did you spend on the screen? Now, I know no one else gets guilty over that. It's just me. But when I compare that to how much time I spend in God's Word... And I make a living spending time in God's Word. 
Oh, how easy it is to eat the junk that this world offers when only the bread of life will ever, ever satisfy. Think about what the psalmist says. He says, taste and see that it is the, the Lord is good. It's not just growing into adulthood physically, but spiritually. At one point, the apostle Paul will have to say, I fed you with milk and not with meat because you haven't been able to bear it. And brothers and sisters, if you are depending on anything or anyone other than Jesus to be the source of your strength, you are going to be disappointed. You think that if you give your life over to God and let him have it all, you're going to miss out. But the truth is, you're missing out right now more than you can ever know. Because to taste and see that the Lord is good, to make him your portion and him your satisfaction is to know the greatest joy you can ever have. Have you thought about what happens to Jesus before he enters his public ministry? You'll remember in Matthew 3, when the Spirit descends from heaven like a dove, Jesus is baptized. That's a baptism you don't want to mess up by John the Baptist. He doesn't mess it up, brings him up out of the water. The voice says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And what happens right after that? Immediately, the Spirit drives the Lord into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he has nothing physical to eat. Scientists tell us, nutritionists tell us, that if you can go without food for 40 days, you can't go that long without water, but if you can manage to go 40 days without food, your stomach is so hungry that it is almost literally caving in on itself. Most of us don't really know what it's like to be hungry. Maybe we miss a meal. Maybe we go on a diet plan or whatever the latest cleanse is, and we take fasting to be something that is not intended to be, but to really, truly be hungry. And at this point, when Jesus is there, why does he choose to go without food? Satan says, command these stones to be made bread. You can do it immediately. Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And Jesus will continually say, it is written, it is written, it is written. And he'll say, before I depend on physical food, I'm going to depend on my Father who is in heaven. This is the mistake that Esau makes in the Old Testament when Jacob offers him, offers him his, his bowl of stew for the birthright. And Esau says, what good is this lest I die? And he takes it, gives it up. And how easy it is to look for what's right in front of us rather than what's beyond us. Jesus keeps on telling them, you're looking for bread, but I am that bread. He keeps saying, you're, you're looking for life, but I am that life. It is to remind us when we depend on the Lord and not on food physically that we are not dependent on power or might, but by His Spirit, says the Lord. And Jesus issues something here. He says that if you are in Christ, you will never, ever starve spiritually. Here's why. Matthew 5. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. You have to believe that what God has for you is better than what you have for yourself. You have to believe that what God says 
is true. He reminds them throughout the scripture, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. That when you receive Jesus, you receive it all. And I wish there was a world where I could explain to you the joy and the expectation and the gladness of what it really is to be all in for Christ. Because you think we say that in order for church ministries to go on or to get people to show up or to get people to serve and to give. and All of that's important. But, but the truth is, if you would ever really give it all to God, I mean really give it all to Him, you'd never want to go back. Because this is the very reason for which you were created. He tells us that when we come to that eternal banquet, that marriage supper of the Lamb, that is where we will find Christ. That the truth is we aren't people who have it all figured out, that we don't have it all together, nor are we supposed to. The truth is if you boil it down to a common denominator is we are all simply beggars pointing to other people where to find bread. And the bread is Christ. and He is life. And so what do we do in the meantime? I want to encourage you. You hear this over and over again. But I want to encourage you, each and every day, get yourself in the Word. Old preacher used to say, he's like, look, you know, they talk about breakfast being the most important meal of the day. That's debated. I don't know whether it is or not. Maybe it is. But they say, miss your breakfast, but don't miss your Bible. And a lot of times we're on these Bible reading plans, which I'm not against. They're helpful. I think it's good to have. But you're determined to get through your set chapter of the day. You're determined to get through your Bible reading plan of the year. And if you want to do that, that helps you more power to you. But I think in my personal study, it's better to focus on just a few verses at a time and meditate on those than to read three or four chapters and just remember a section of that. Here's what I do when I'm available. Anybody that, that knows me, um, I live and die by three-by-five note cards. I use those for everything. You want to know what's on my schedule for the week? It'll be on a three-by-five note card. You won't be able to read any of it because it's in hieroglyphics, but I can tell you exactly what's there. And one of the things that I try to do is the Lord gives me opportunities. Whatever verse sticks out to me, my Bible reading for that day, whatever verse I'm meditating on, is I would just take the time to write that verse out on a three-by-five card. I fold it in half, put it in my pocket. And when I have time throughout the day, I'll just look at that and meditate on that and, and think on it and just emphasize each word of it. For example, in, in Psalm 27, you know, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Go through that, and each time you hit it, hit a different word. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. And meditate on those. And really get yourself in the Word because if you're getting all of your earthly meals put in together, but you are not in God's Word, the Word of life, you are starving yourself spiritually. You're not meant to live that way. He is to be the source of the strength to teach us that we are to depend on Him, not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth. God. 
Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. If you found it helpful, please consider sharing it with your family and friends. For more information, check us out online at barryefields.com.